Friends, it's so good to be with you. This is the portion of our service when we open the Scriptures and interpret them for one another and try together to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church and to what God would have for us as a congregation. So we're going to read this morning from Deuteronomy 15. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it. Deuteronomy 15, verses 10 and 11. And if you'd like to, you can also follow along on the screen as I read these two short but really important and powerful verses. Listen for the word of the Lord. Give generously to those in need, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every year, Esther and Morris went to the county fair, and every year, Esther would say, Morris, I'd like to take a ride in that helicopter, and every year, Morris would reply, I know, Esther, but the helicopter ride costs $50, and $50 is $50. You see, Morris was a a bit frugal, but Esther loved him anyway, even though year after year, when she really wanted to take that helicopter ride... She would say to Morris, I'd like to do it, and Morris would say, Esther, $50 is $50. Well, one summer they were at the fair, and Esther said, Morris, this is it. I've had it. I'm 85 years old. If I don't take that helicopter ride this summer, I might never, ever get to take it. And again, Morris said, Esther, that helicopter ride costs $50, and $50 is $50. Well, they happened to be standing near that booth where they sell the helicopter ride tickets, and the pilot, the helicopter pilot, overheard their conversation, and the pilot said to them, excuse me, uh, folks, uh, pardon me for eavesdropping, but um, I couldn't help overhear your conversation. I've got a deal for you. I'll take you both for a ride in the helicopter, and if you can both stay quiet for the entire time, I won't charge you a penny. But... If either of you makes even a peep, I'll have to charge you the entire fee of $50. And so Morris and Esther agreed, and up they went, except this was no ordinary helicopter ride. The helicopter pilot did all his craziest maneuvers, all his best tricks to to try to get them to, to blurt something out, and so he flew all over the airspace above the fairgrounds, and yet they didn't even make a peep. And so as the pilot landed, he turned toward the backseat and yelled over the sound of the rotors. He said, by golly, I did everything I could to try to get you to yell out, but you didn't say anything. I'm so impressed. And Esther responded. She said, well, mister, to tell you the truth, I almost said something when Morris fell out. (laughs) But $50 is $50. Uh, That joke never gets old. I've told it three times today, and I love it every time. It's my best helicopter joke, by the way, so it's all downhill from there. So, friends, uh, it seems to me that, you know, we're kind of like Morris some of the time, aren't we? We we hold on to what we have, and every $50 counts, doesn't it? There's no such thing as extra. No one, none of us have any extra $50 laying around. It's, It's all designated. It's all going somewhere. 
And uh, we've all been through uh, seasons perhaps of blessing and prosperity and, and maybe some seasons of difficulty and times when finances were tight. And it wasn't that long ago when our country entered an economic recession. It was just 10 years ago. And some of us are still kind of digging out from that time. We know people who lost their homes. We know people who lost their jobs. We know people who had really severe financial insecurity. And so we have been there uh, in, in those difficult times. In fact, lots of Americans continue to experience stress about their finances uh, studies show that 85% of Americans are stressed about money at least some of the time, and one-third of us are stressed about money all the time. So if you can look around the room and say one out of the three of us, one out of every three of us is stressed about money all the time. Friends, that's a hard way to live, isn't it? That's, that is a challenge when we live with that stress in our lives. Now, the reality is because we live in the United States, because most of us have jobs and homes, we are rich, globally speaking, aren't we? When we compare ourselves to people around the world, we are rich, and yet it doesn't always feel like it, right? Because we don't feel rich. Why not? Because we compare ourselves to people who have a lot more. We say, oh, I'm not rich. You know, that guy with a bigger house than me, he's rich. And because money's tight. Eight out of ten Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And so for some of us, there's too much month left at the end of the money, and we struggle to make ends meet. Now, with this kind of growing pressure uh, on our lives about uh, financial challenges, some of us may be tempted to think that the solution is, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more money, then all my problems would go away. Can I tell you something? That's not the solution. Because rich people have money problems, and poor people have money problems, and everybody in between, we all struggle at one time or another. So I want to suggest to you that the solution is not getting more money. The solution is changing the way we think and changing the way we live around our finances and our stewardship of the things that God has given us. The solution is to let go of our old destructive habits and instead adopt God's habits, biblical habits, for how we manage and take care of all the things that God has given us. Today is the first week in our October series. It's called Financial Peace. And I want to acknowledge for a moment that maybe a lot of us would not put those two words together, right? We know what those words mean, and, and we, we may like both those ideas, but finances don't necessarily conjure up the idea of peace in our lives, do they? And so what I want to suggest to you, friends, is that peace is possible, that God wants to give us the gift of peace, but it's going to take us being open to what God has for us and uh, maybe imagining a new way of thinking. So I think when you, when you have money conversations in Christian circles, sooner or later, you will hear someone say, money is the root of all evil. How many of you have heard someone say that before? Money is the root of all evil. Can I tell you something? That is a misquotation of the Scripture. Did you know that? Let's look at what the Bible actually says about money and about evil. From 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's the love of money that is the problem. Money has no moral value in itself. You know this, right? Money is neither good nor bad. It's neither intrinsically uh, you know, good or bad. It's just it's the way we think about money 
that makes a difference. It's the way we use money that is either healthy or unhealthy. It's either pleasing to God or displeasing to God. And so the problem is when we love money more than we love God, the fruit of that is evil. But I want to suggest to you when money has its rightful place in our lives, it can be a tool for all kinds of good. God can do all kinds of good with our financial resources. It just depends on what you do with it. I want to look today with you at the Scriptures and see what the Bible says. The Bible has over 800 passages on money. I wonder if you knew that Jesus talked more about money than almost anything else, including heaven and hell. Jesus talked a lot about money. What does that mean? I think it means that God wants us to know money is a spiritual matter. It's so tempting for us to say, oh, my spiritual life is this one thing over here. That's prayer and Bible reading and worship, and money is this other thing over here. And God is saying, no, it's all spiritual. And what you do with your money matters to God, and it is an opportunity to bless others in Jesus' name. Now, let me acknowledge today, as we get into a conversation about money, some of you are already practicing wonderful habits when it comes to financial stewardship. Some of you are already very wise, and you're disciplined, and you are generous. So first, let me say thank you for your generosity, for your example to the rest of us in the way that you are giving and blessing others with your finances. If that's you, and if you're thinking to yourself today, gosh, you know, gee whiz, I know we should talk about money, Pastor Brad, but I really feel like I've kind of got a good handle on that already. Let me challenge you in two ways. First, consider how it is you can grow in your next step. Remember, none of us has finished growing in our faith. There's room for all of us to grow. So first, ask God this morning, what's my next step, Lord, in my stewardship of these things? Secondly, if you have got a good handle on your household financial stewardship, let me ask you to come alongside someone else who could benefit from your help and teach them what you have learned. Bring them under your wing and say, let, let me show you. Let's get together, your family, my family. We'll talk about these things, and let me share with you what God has taught to me, what other people have taught to me. The reality is, friends, not all of us grew up with someone teaching us how to handle money, did we? we? Sometimes we had to learn by trial and error, and sometimes it was more error than not. And so if you're in that place, let me encourage you, do that for someone else. This is the basic message about money that the Bible has for us, and it's what we read from Deuteronomy chapter 15. And let me read it again. It says this, give generously to those in need and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. What are two things we're going to take away from this? One, God says that blessing comes through generosity. Blessing comes through generosity. And two, generosity comes when we open our hands to the people in our lives who are in need. Do this with me for a second. Set down anything that may be in your hands. Put down your Bible or your, uh, your pencil or whatever. Open your hands. Bring them in front of you like this. Palms up. Fingers out. Think with me for a moment about the difference between being open-handed and closed-handed. Okay, think about how it feels in your body. Think about how it feels in your mind. Think about the implications of our stewardship of what we have if we are open or closed. Okay, now close your fist for a minute and squeeze your fist tight and think about anxiety and fear 
and anger. Okay, now open your hands again and feel a sense of trust and openness and willingness and peace. And remember with me that you cannot receive unless your hands are open. And you cannot give unless your hands are open. Friends, let me invite you to keep that in mind as an image to to be throughout this sermon and this series as we think about what it means to be open-handed in accordance with the Scriptures. I want to offer you today, just briefly, five biblical principles for arriving at a place of peace when it comes to these things. Biblical principle number one. I want to invite you to get out of debt, to encourage you, to challenge you, to find your way out of debt. If you've ever been in debt, any significant debt, you know how challenging, how burdensome that is. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, the borrower is the slave of the lender. The Bible says the borrower is the slave of the lender. And that's really strong language, isn't it? And yet we realize when we have been in debt, that's what it's like. We are, we are like captives to that thing that is hanging over our head all the time. But some of us also have tasted freedom. And one of our Timberlake people after the first service, he told me, Pastor, I was there once. I was in a, an unbelievable amount of debt, and I struggled. And I said, but God set you free from that, didn't he? And because this person is now at a place where he's blessing other people, where he's giving to help other people who are struggling. And so th- this is what I want you to know, friends. One, debt is a real burden. But secondly, God can set you free from it. And we're going to talk at length next week about how we come out of the burden of debt. And so if that's you or if that's someone you know, invite them to come and say, hey, we're going to have a practical conversation about how we think about debt in a biblical way. Biblical principle number two, act your wage. Act your wage. Friends, let me encourage you to act your wage. Stop spending more than you are earning. Isn't that a good idea? Yeah, yeah, we've all been there maybe where we spent more than we actually had in the bank. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, In the house of the wise are choice stores of food and oil, but a foolish person devours all he has. We've all been there, right? We've all spent what we didn't have. We've all done what uh, financial expert Dave Ramsey calls dumb with zeros on the end, you know, where you you say, well, I don't really have the money, but I, I want it. I just want that thing so bad, and so you bought it anyway. Friends, we would do well to live within our means and to act our wage. Biblical principle number three, let me invite you to make and use a budget, as opposed to what a lot of us do, which is just kind of live life day to day and then uh, do something and then ask God afterward to bless it. You ever done that where you, you make some decision, you're like, yes, this has got to be right. And then you realize, ooh, I, I sort of failed to consult with God about that really important thing. A budget is a wonderful way to bring you to prayer to say, God, please show me what your design is for my life and for the life of my family. Look at Luke 16, verse 10 with me. It says, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And we know that's the reality of life, isn't it? Think about when you were learning to drive, and did your parents just hand you the car keys and say, take the car, go for it, do whatever you want? 
No, right? No, there was one poor person at 8.30 who said, yeah, that's what happened to me. So I feel bad for you if that's what happened to you because we need the amount of responsibility that we are ready for, right? We need someone to take our hand and teach us and coach us. And the same thing in terms of the material goods, our resources that we have. For those who can manage a little, more will be given and more will be given. And that's the way God works in this world. Let's look at biblical principle number four. Save and invest. Let me encourage you to save an emergency fund. Friends, grandma is right. We have rainy days in our lives, don't we? We have days when things do not work out, when we have unexpected bills. And so let me invite you to consider, if you don't already, having an emergency fund. An emergency fund will make you Murphy repellent. You know about Murphy, right? Murphy's Law. If something can happen, it will, especially bad stuff. And so when bad things happen to you, you'll be ready for it, and you'll say, ah, I didn't know when or where, but I was prepared because I went ahead and saved in advance. And so set aside some cash for some emergency fund. Uh, The Bible, friends, speaks strongly against borrowing. And I know I'm a big fan of my Discover card. Maybe you are. It's so easy. It's so simple to swipe it, right? Uh, The thing about saving and holding cash in your hand is when you have to part with President Jackson and hand that over to someone, you feel it, don't you? And you're like, I'm not so sure if I want to part with this President Jackson or not. The credit card, easy to swipe, swipe, swipe. It's, oh, it's free money, right? It's, oh, they'll figure it out later. The banks will handle it. But when you have that cash in your hand, so the idea is save, invest, use cash, and realize that sometimes we may have to delay our gratification. You know, have you ever considered how much interest we pay on big ticket items like cars and houses? When we can get to a place of paying cash for things that matter, we pay much, much less interest, and then we are able to uh, use those funds for other good things. Look with me at Luke 14, verse 28. Jesus said, For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Friends, there is wisdom in planning ahead. There is wisdom in saving. There is wisdom in investing. Biblical principle number five, give generously. Let me invite you to give generously, that this is at the core of the scriptural teaching about finances and about resources that God has given us, that the core message is that we are called to be generous people. And we know that we can be generous people because our God is a generous God. And if I asked you today, could you tell us a story about when God has been good to you, I would dare say almost everyone in this room could stand up and say, let me tell you, God has been so good to me. And God has blessed me with gift after gift. And I don't just mean money. I'm thinking about all the wonderful blessings that we enjoy. And so, friends, if we are going to be the people of God, if we are going to be the disciples of Jesus, we have to be givers. We have to be generous. There's just no other way around it. We serve a generous God. God is calling us to be generous. You've had a taste of that, I bet, uh, where maybe let's say you gave the waiter an extra large tip one time when you went out to eat just to see the reaction on his or her face, right? Or when you helped a young person pay for her books for college or university, when you blessed someone in in some significant way and, and their response was gratitude and thanksgiving and it just warmed your heart, right? And you say, I can't believe I'm actually getting more out of this than they are. You know, I'm receiving this blessing far more than they could be. I'm sure of it. 
when we give to the purposes of God, it is that meaningful. Although, let me acknowledge, the wow factor isn't there every time, right? When the, when the plate passes or when you come and drop your gift in the basket in the sanctuary, you're not just blown away every Sunday, and yet it's no less important for us to participate in it. And yet maybe not for the reason we thought, friends. When we give, it is for the ministry of the church. But please hear me say this. God does not need our money, right? God does not need our money. God is going to accomplish his God's purposes uh, with us or without us. And that's up to us whether we say yes or not. The reason you and I need to give is not because God needs our money. The reason is because you and I cannot be the kind of disciples we are called to be unless we are people who give unless we are people who bless others in Jesus' name. And I want to acknowledge the ministry of Timberlake is not the only good ministry out there. And I know a lot of you give to a lot of other good ministries and organizations. So don't think for a second that I think that this is the only way to do it, but I do think this is a good way to do it, and I want the ministry to be worthy of your gifts because I see the difference that we can make together for the people of this community in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's come back to Deuteronomy 15 one more time. Let's look at these words together. Give generously to those in need, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Friends, this is the approach that God asks from us to be open-handed, to be generous, to be ready and willing to share with other people in our community. I want you to understand that there is a relationship between our generosity with others and God's generosity with us. God has poured blessing upon blessing into our lives, and now we are called, we are invited to share that with others in Jesus' name. It's only when our hands are open that we can give. It's only when our hands are open that we can receive. And you and I have received the greatest gift of all time, salvation in the name of Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again for you, for you. This week, we sent you a letter in the mail that looks like this. If you did not receive it, uh, first let me apologize and say we did not leave out anyone on purpose, I promise. And so if you did not receive this letter along with this estimate of giving card, you can get it in one of three ways. You can get it from the website, timberlakeumc.org. You can get it from one of our serve team members on your way out. They'll have them for you. Or you can get it from the pew rack in front of you right now. Uh, right in front of you, there are copies of this letter and of this estimate of giving card. This is a letter inviting you to participate in considering what your financial commitment will be for the coming year in our ministries at Timberlake. And what I want you to do with this, if you're willing, is to talk to your family about it and talk to God about it and then write down a number on this piece of paper and sign your name to it and bring it back to worship on October 28th, which is the fourth Sunday of our series. And it's, uh, we're calling it I Love My Church Sunday. And it's a day for us to celebrate the ministry and what God is doing in this church. I want you to consider that. Now, here's, here's my speech about the giving level where you are in your life. The amount of money that you give matters far less than the spirit in which you give it. God is going to love you no matter what. If you give a million dollars, God is not going to love you any more than if you give one dollar. 
And God is not going to love you any less if you give less. God is going to love you with the fullness of God's love. So whatever your gift is, if it's $1,000, if it's $100, if it's $1, you are loved and we are grateful for your gifts. Now, God's going to still love you even if you give nothing. Friends, please hear me say that real clearly. But you're invited to give because we believe in what we're doing in this ministry. We believe and see the lives that are being changed. And so no matter how much you give, please understand we are grateful for your gift. We celebrate it at whatever level you are at in your life. And we want to invite you to enter into this journey, if you haven't already, of becoming a generous person because of the grace of Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to share with you in the message today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. The author of the Hebrews puts it uh, like this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of what? Peace for those who have been trained by it. Do you remember when you were a little kid and your mom and your dad disciplined you and it was really unpleasant at the time, and you were mad at them because they were being unfair, and how dare they hold you to those rules. But then you grew up, and you got to be a teenager or maybe a young adult, and you said to yourself, or maybe even to your mom and dad, wow, I'm so grateful. (laughs) I'm grateful now for what I could not appreciate at the time because it made me to be the kind of person I am today because of the discipline that my parents had for me. Friends, your loving Heavenly Father has wonderful, loving discipline for you. And when we follow these habits and practices that the Bible outlines, it may be a bit painful, right? Let's acknowledge sometimes when we have to make hard decisions with money, it is painful. But the fruit of that discipline is peace. That is God's promise for you. Peace is possible, even when it comes to our finances. That is God's power in your life. That is how much God loves you, to give you peace. Let God's people say amen.